What's up, everybody? I apologize if yesterday's episode went a little longer than normal. There is just so much information regarding the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and the vision Daniel has of the four beasts. And I wanted to make sure that I could get you enough information so that it all made sense. I will do my best to make sure today's episode is in the normal range for this podcast. So in yesterday's episode, we talked about the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has of a statue made of four different sections that symbolize the four empires or kingdoms that would subjugate Israel throughout the age of the Gentiles. We also know that the dream or vision that Daniel had of the four beasts also represent the same four empires or kingdoms that will affect Israel until the end of the Gentile age when Christ returns to establish his kingdom on earth. In addition to that, we learn that the fourth beast in Daniel's vision had ten horns, which represent the ten kings or rulers that will initially rule the one world government during the tribulation period, or at least at the beginning of it, it'll start with ten. So, but at the appointed time, the eleventh horn will rise up, which is we know to be the Antichrist, and he will be greater than all the others and will subdue three of the kings or rulers, leaving seven kings that will rule under his authority with the eleventh horn or Antichrist being the uh, head of this one world government. And he will rule and wage war against the saints or Christians, uh, you know, the believers, as well as the Jewish people. And he will defile Jerusalem until the return of Christ, at which time Jesus will destroy all the enemies of his people and will establish his kingdom on earth and will subdue all nations of the world and all nations will obey him. But during that last three and a half years, the Antichrist will just demolish um, you know, Israel and, and really the world, so to speak, and we'll just dominate it. So anyway, today we're going to take a look at chapter nine in the book of Daniel and pay special attention to the 70 weeks that Daniel refers to regarding Israel's punishment, um, or the atonement for their transgressions. So Daniel reads uh, the prophecy in the book of Jeremiah regarding the 70-year period that the Jews would be put out of their land so that it could rest. But at the end of the 70-year period, they would be allowed back into their land to rebuild. Daniel connects that to the scripture regarding the land covenant and to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had about the statue uh, and how it ties to the age of the Gentiles and concludes that the 70-year period of captivity by the Babylon, you know, by the Babylonians while they were in Babylonian uh, captivity, so to speak, he concludes that that is the entire uh, age of the Gentiles. But we know that he is incorrect. That was wrong. And so God decides to send Ga- angel, uh, send Gabriel to help Daniel out with this timeline. And he gives Daniel more insight into the actual timeline for the age of the Gentiles and you know so that daniel can understand what the 70 weeks really means so the 70 weeks is actually a 490 year period of time because each week represents a seven year period of time and there are 70 seven year periods of time that is what we're going to discuss today gabriel comes to daniel to give him insight and understanding and look at what he tells him daniel 9:24 he says 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and uh, your uh, your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. 
Okay, I know at first you might say, well, that says 70 weeks, but let me explain. We know that it's not 70 weeks. That would be an awfully fast uh, amount of time for four empires to expand and dominate that territory. So the problem lies in the translation. The literal word that is translated into weeks in our English Bible is the word Shavat, but the literal translation of that word is sevens. So we know that it should read 77s, and we know that 70 times 7 is 490. Now, the next question is, is that days, weeks, months, or years? Well, we have the advantage of history to show us the time frame uh, of the four empires, and based on that time and on that time frame and all the other information that we have already covered, we can easily conclude that it is referring to years. That means that Gabriel informs Daniel that the time will be 490 year period, you know, and it'll be a 490 year period of time for Israel to finish their transgression and make atonement for their iniquity, for violating the covenant of God. So, the next problem that we run into is that we realize, hey, wait, it's already been well over 490 years. So let me explain how the 490 years are broken up into three blocks of time. Let's begin with what Gabriel tells Daniel in chapter 9, 25 through 27. It is kind of a lo- it's kind of long, but it is important to see that Gabriel gives Daniel the exact breakdown or key to understanding how this 490 year uh, period is broken into three blocks of time. It is important to see that scripture tells us and is not just my opinion or interpretation. And here's what Gabriel says to Daniel. Daniel 9, 25 So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now that and is very important. So we'll come back to that in a minute. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. So here we see that the first two blocks of time in the 490 year period or the 70 weeks, the first two blocks of time, these two blocks of time are mentioned together. That's the and part I was just saying. They're mentioned together, meaning they run back to back. We also know that the word weeks is referring to a seven-year period of time. So each week is seven years. So we know by that understanding that seven weeks is calculated as seven seven seven-year periods, or seven times seven, which equals 49 years. That is how long it took to rebuild Jerusalem once the decree was issued by Cyrus allowing the Jews to rebuild their city. So, you know, and history tells us that as well. So then it says that there will be 62 weeks until the Messiah. Again, we know that we can calculate that as 62 seven-year periods or 62 times 7 equals 434 years from the time the rebuild is finished you know, the rebuilding of the city is finished to the time the Messiah is cut off. You know, and that just means that the time he was crucified. You know, combine that with the 49 years taken to rebuild the city. And you have 483 years from the issuing of the decree to rebuild the city all the way to the time that the Messiah is crucified. We know that the issuing of the decree started the clock and it was 483 years um, from then to Jesus being crucified or cut off, that leaves only one week or one seven-year period 
of time left to account for. Uh, and Gabriel shows us how to do that in the next two verses. So check it out. Daniel 9.26 Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. Daniel 9.27 and he will make a firm covenant with the nation, with many, for one week. And we know that to be a seven-year period. But in the middle of that week, he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Okay, so this is awesome. So let's unpack these two verses. We see here that the, after the Messiah is cut off, there will be a desolation and all, you know all the way to the end. You know, so also here, you know, there is no connecting word that links the previous block of time, the sixty-two weeks or four hundred and thirty-four year period. There's no word that links that second block of time with this last seven-year period. Like the first verse, I mean, the first block of time and the second block of time, they're linked. They're mentioned in the, in the same verse using the word and, and they're connected. Okay, but there's no uh, word connecting the third block of time with the other two. So we know there's a gap there. So when we look at the first two blocks of time, the 49 years to rebuild the city and the 434 years, until the Messiah is cut off, we see they are connected because it mentions them together. You know, the seven, the seven weeks and the 62 weeks is, is what it talks about. But the last week or seven-year period is not directly connected. Therefore, we must understand that to mean that there is a pause in the timeline. We also uh, know that it says he's referring to, you know, referring to the Antichrist will make a covenant with the many, and the many is referring to Israel. So for one week or seven years, here is the last seven-year period that we need to account for, but it has not begun because we know that it begins with the signing of a covenant or a peace treaty between the one, which is the Antichrist, and Israel. All right, side note. Did you notice that Daniel 9.27 says, in the middle of the week, this along with the verse that talks about the Antichrist waging war on the saints and defiling Jerusalem for three and a half years uh, that Revelation talks about, we'll get to that, uh, which it uses the phrase a time and a time and a time and a half, uh, or a time and a time and a half, that phrase, uh, which means three and a half years. When you combine that with what we just read, you know, before Christ puts it into the dominion of the, you know, the Antichrist, this is how we know that the first three and a half years or the first half of the week will be relatively peaceful. But in the middle of the week or at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist will break the covenant with Israel and wage war on the believers and will defile Jerusalem. He is the abomination of desolation. So with all this information, you come to understand that the pause period or break in the 490-year period is the church age. We know that the pause began at the time the Messiah was cut off. 
okay? Because that was the end of the second block of time that we talked about. And we know that the, that it also, that the, that is also the time that the church was established, okay? So Messiah is cut off, you know, or he is crucified. The church is established. We know that that is when that second block of time ends. And we know that the signing of the covenant between the Antichrist and Israel hasn't happened yet. And that's when the, the last block of time uh, begins. So we also know that the church will not be here during that seven-year period. So with all that, we can, we can conclude that the church age has not ended. And we are living in that pause period in the timeline or countdown. So, which means Jesus could rapture the church at any time. So what are we waiting for? Why did Jesus pause the timeline, so to speak? Why did he pause that 490-year countdown? Let me just say it is, say it as simply as I can, because of love and compassion for all mankind. Now let's take a look at what Paul says regarding the reason for the pause in the 490-year countdown. Romans 11, 7 says, What then? What Israel is seeking it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Romans 11, 11 says, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Romans eleven twenty five. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Did you catch that? It says that only a remnant of Israel was chosen, and they obtained redemption and chose to put their faith in Jesus. The rest were hardened. But Paul was clear that this was only a partial hardening of the hearts toward of their hearts toward the Messiah. But why? It was part of their punishment for their transgressions and God was holding them to account for breaking his covenant in the Old Testament. Remember, they were subject to the law, and this was part of the consequences for their disobedience that ushered in, that also ushered in the age of the Gentiles. But there is one more very important reason for the pause in the countdown. Paul says, By their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. But this partial hardening of Israel is only until the full number of Gentiles come into the church. After that, the countdown will resume with the signing of the peace treaty or covenant with Israel. And in the final seven years uh, of Israel's atonement, you know, it will, that, those final seven years will finally play out. And at the end, Israel will be restored and will come, uh, and will come to put their faith in Jesus. You know, and they will no longer be subjugated to the Gentiles. So that means Jesus paused the countdown to allow the full number of Gentiles to come to faith and find salvation in Jesus, to become part of God's family, co-heirs with, with Israel. Remember, Israel is the inheritance of God, the chosen people, and the church is the bride of Christ. God did not harden the entire nation of Israel, nor was his plan to bring them to ruin because God still loves his people and once and once their atonement is complete under the law their eyes will be open and they will see Jesus for who he is they are the natural branch and we are the wild branch that was grafted in and one day we will be one in the messiah so 
the age of the Gentiles will continue until the full number of Gentiles have come into the church. That, my friends, is absolutely amazing. That's how much Jesus loves you and me. He was willing to pause the countdown, to pause it, to pause that that timeline and that countdown, and even harden or partially harden the hearts of his people just so the rest of us could have the opportunity to receive the gospel and find salvation in the Messiah. Does that not tell you how much Jesus loves each one of us? And does that not reiterate the links that God will go to in order to make sure everyone has the chance to come into the family of God? Remember, Scripture tells us that He delays the return of Christ because He wishes that none perish, but that all would come to repentance and find faith in Yeshua. We are the reason for the pause in the timeline, and God's love and compassion is made evident by it. This is what I'm talking about. No other faith can boast with such prophetic precision. Every word and every prophecy that has been fulfilled was done so with extreme precision and every detail accounted for. This study of Daniel and Revelation should only serve to bolster your faith and increase your confidence in God's word. Let it fill you with excitement. God is faithful and we can count on that. As we pick up tomorrow with chapter 4 in the book of Revelation, remember that it picks up with the countdown resuming and the last seven years playing out. My goal in all of this is for you to see that God is a God of mercy and grace. And once the atonement of Israel is complete, we will see the fullness of our reward and the promises of God unfold. God, I come to you with humble prayers, grateful for all that you do for us. God, I thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to pause the timeline in order to let the gospel go out to us. God, thank you for this undetermined amount of time that has been given so that every Gentile will have the chance to put their faith in you. Lord, I pray that you would use us to be a witness to others. Use us God, to help bring in the full, the full number of Gentiles. God, I, I pray that, you know, I pray for your continued blessing on this study of Revelation and what is to come. I pray that your people would see the love, grace, and mercy, and compassion that is so evident in this final book of the Bible. I also pray that your people would see the urgency and would surrender themselves fully to you so that you can use them, use us in your plan and to bring your your plan to fruition. Pour out your spirit, Lord, and breathe life, passion, and boldness into your church. And let your church stand as a beacon for those looking for answers and truth. I pray all these things in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.